Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When the red, red robin comes bob, bob, bobbing along, along, there'll be no more sobbing when he starts robbing his old sweet song. If we're being honest, a game against Millwall was only ever going to go one way. Welcome to Charlton Live. So hello and welcome to Charlton Live on your Sunday evening. My name is uh, Louis Mendes. We'll be looking back at Friday night's uh, 1-0 defeat against Millwall. Uh, the result that I guess deep down we all knew was coming, even though uh, it was a fairly even game. But uh, yeah, we'll look back at that one. We'll hear from Lee Bowyer later on in the show as well, of course. Uh, joining me on the phone to discuss that game and uh, a few other things going on in and around the club. Uh, in one, we've got uh, Mr. Nathan Muller. How are you doing, Nath? Not bad, mate. Not yeah. bad. Well, your favourite, your favourite uh, Millwall player scored on Friday. So <laughs> I knew that was coming. Yeah. yeah someone dug me out on. Um, someone dug me out on Twitter. Hopefully, at least we know people are listening to the show. I guess. Yeah. So on 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 the preview show uh, during the week, Nathan said that he admires Jake Cooper. I guess you know he says he's a good player, <laughs> but he came back to bite him very much. Uh, in the backside on uh, on on Friday evening as Cooper scored the winner. Uh, also, we've got uh, Mr. Benji Cloak. How you doing, Ben? Yes, mate. Not bad. Thanks very yeah. much. Made uh, taking advantage of the pubs reopening today. I see. Yeah, 
Yeah, had a had a walk down to the pub, enjoyed it. Very surreal, but um, yeah. the new normality. Yeah, drowning your sorrows from Friday, of course, and also uh, joining us uh, in his little radio cupboard is uh, Mark Newbury. How do you, Mark? Um, well, I'm officially announcing my retirement from football this week because <laughs> I was out playing with my well, I was out playing with my two-year-old and he nutmegged me. Oh dear! And uh, once you've been nutmegged by a two-year-old, you're thinking, mm. well, that's it, time to give up." Yeah, that's pretty much how I felt after Glove Pop uh, tackled me at one of the football versus homophobia events a few uh, a couple of years ago. But yeah, sad to hear, right? Well, Mm. Well, well, puppies the same size as a two-year-old, so that's fair yeah, enough. That's true, yeah. Ho- hopefully you'll be listening to this podcast. <laughs> right, so uh, on tonight's show, as we said, we'll be looking back at the uh, 1-0 defeat uh, against Millwall. We'll hear the highlights, the brief highlights, as I'm sure you can imagine, from the game. And also uh, the reaction from Lee Bowyer, who talks about the uh, the match. We'll hear from some of you guys as well. We've got a few tweets and emails that have come in during the course of the afternoon to discuss the game. Um, I also want to talk about, you know, how the table's shaping up. Um, I've got a copy of the table in front of me that's got 12-point deduction for Wigan applied and one that hasn't got it applied. So we'll try and work out where we think we are in terms of the the relegation places because other than Friday, results have been very kind to us uh, this weekend. We'll discuss the response that the Charlton Athletic Supporters Trust received from Paul Elliott, uh, the sort of owner, on on Friday as well. Uh, A few holes to pick, I think, in, in that Q&A uh, and we'll, we'll focus a little bit more on the Wigan situation because Lee Bay was asked about it on Friday and of course we'll look ahead to Tuesday's game uh, with Brentford they come thick and fast in this division at the moment of course uh, and it's another toughie over at Griffin Park on Tuesday evening right then Nath um, you know jokes aside uh, I'm sure you, you got one hell of a grilling from your father on Saturday morning the Millwall fan but ah oh, frustrating again um, you know had our chances We've said that against Millwall before, but we're not taking them at the moment and it's come back to bite us in the arse. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> the show done, mate. Lovely. Cheers, mate. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, and I mean, obviously, my old man gave... Like, it, was, it was already pre-planned that I was going to go see my auntie Saturday morning. Um, I didn't really think about to look who we were playing that weekend. But yeah, he gave me a bit of um, a bit of a ribbon, as you can expect. But, you know, as as the... I mean, the night myself... I mean, obviously, in our, me and Tom, we was talking about on WhatsApp and I was a bit emotional at the time, I think, because I was just angry. I think the whole... The thing was with me, it's not the... It's not the result. Well, it is the result, but the main thing for me is how we played. Then, like, we could have done so much better in the final third. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just thought that the first half was really annoying because we kept giving away silly fouls when we know how good they are on set pieces and how big they are. But we just didn't seem to learn. And um, but yeah, it was just I know Bo said in his his thing that he could only see us scoring. But as time went on and it was nil nil, yeah, we did have a bit more maybe threat per se, not massively. But you just knew that we was never going to get a last minute goal against Millwall, never. And um, I mean, I've been to if you look at for me as much as you know, I like all the players, all the, all the forwards, and I'm sure they they'll come good. If you look at our strike force now, you've got. Chucks, who's been injured most of the season, you've been you've got Hamed, who's hardly played in the last couple of years. You've got Green, who's naturally a right winger, and then who's the other one? Who am I missing? You've got Paulie Bun. For me, as much as he's done really well at this precise moment in time, he's not a championship striker for me. But his confidence that, is on the floor at the moment, isn't it? Of course. I mean, and that that chance. I mean that. You. I mean, I, I was. It, it, there's only so much you can 
back up the play, you know, Bose is always behind them, but you've got to say as it is sometimes, you should be scoring them. Mm. Especially where we are, we're not creating multiple chances per game. So when you're given a chance, unfortunately their centre-half managed to do it. Do you know what I mean? So, And that's the difference between winning games and the last few games now. I know we said it on Thursday that we will continue to create chances. I'm not saying that, but we do need to be ruthless. They're a lot, lot more ruthless in front of the goal. Yeah, and we're not at the moment, Mark. That was the, the frustration is the fact that we create a few chances. We, 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 I think we've defended okay, to be fair. You know, we've reduced Millwall to only a handful of chances, but they've taken one and we haven't taken ours. Um, yeah, well, that's it. I mean, it's first 10 minutes, we, we looked really up for it. We looked on it. Yeah, we looked crisp. But let's say Macro had the chance. You know, Hamid looked, looked good. And then we suddenly disappeared. Um, and after that, I thought, you know, we, we, let, we let Millwall play, which we shouldn't have done. Um, and I think there were too too many tactical mistakes going on. I thought Prattley dropping back into into between the centre halves gave their midfield way too much space. And because our front two weren't holding it up, it was just coming back in waves. You know, Albie and McGreedy are hardly going to be putting themselves around. I mean, they just they left Cullen. Um, it was it was difficult. I just think tactically we we made too many mistakes, and I think. Bowyer could have should have corrected it a bit better than he actually did. So yeah, because that's funny that you should say that. Because I, I thought when when Prattley dropped and we went three five two, Ben, that's when our, you know Mill had one hell of a spell in that first half. That's when we probably started to edge the game um, for me in turn, possibly in terms of territory and not necessarily chances created after that. But where we were being overrun by Millwall, I think that sort of negated that a little bit. And then it was just quite an even one. And I mean, Steve Brown was up there doing co-commentary with us on Radio London and he said he thought Charlton at the more likely side in the second half. Yeah, I think we looked a bit... I thought we looked better with Albie on the pitch. I thought he was getting stuck in and that's the Millwall way. They, they're very organised and they get stuck in. 50-50 balls. They always make sure that's theirs. And I thought we were edging that a bit. And, of course, Bond had that great chance. Hemet had that one where it looped over his shoulder and he should have done better. Uh, we, we were getting there. And it just seemed when... I, I, didn't, I don't know why Albie come off. I thought he was having a good game. Uh, half-time and field came on. Um... But yeah, they just kind of edged back into it. But we we see it, it was an even game. I, I, as Steve Brown said, I, I think we had the better chances. And then going into the second half, they kind of edged edge back into it. But yeah, it, oh, it's just it's so frustrating, isn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah, that's how we all feel. Right, let's have a quick listen back to the highlights then, so you can remind yourselves of some of those chances that Charlton did have throughout that game. Uh, your commentators, as always, over on Valley Pass were Greg Stubbley and Terry Smith. Back out to Oshelaja. Oshelaja finds McGeady on the left. McGeady into Bond. Can he take it under control? He can't, but he comes back. And Morgan takes a shot and is blocked away. That was on target. Would have troubled the keeper, but Millwall could have Just inside the Charlton half on the Charlton left-hand Great tackle by Prattley. No wins it back for Charlton. Little one-two. Albie Morgan sends Bond on his way he's got nothing right but he finds Hemming on his left into the penalty area instant shot down to his left Bojkowski makes the save but two chances in the opening two minutes for Charlton yeah Mill getting stretched on the counter Leonard on this Charlton left hand
right-hand side. Back inside of Hutchinson. Will chip it back across. Looking for Smith, who gets his header there. Dylan Phillips with the save to his right-hand side that was going in, and the save needed to be made. Phillips' kick looking towards Hamed. Hamed jumps. It's a good jump from but his Cooper. Arm, his arm was all over him. But that's got to be a foul, surely. Well, that was another one there. That was an arm by Malumbi and Cholna. Furious with the Millwall man. It's a yellow card. He was quick to give that the referee. I thought he might be bringing a red there. Cholna surrounding the referee. was, as you said, Cooper might have lent him with an arm on Hamed, but that one on Morgan was anybody, anybody very... Anybody watching the replay of that, I'd be, uh, I'd be interested to see what they think of that. That was an arm straight up in the air, and it was following on the back of uh, yes. the one from we'll Cooper. We'll go back to Prattley, Cholna. Just trying to find an avenue at the moment. Ooh, and Cullen ball across towards Lockyer. It's oh. a good challenge on Lockyer. It's a dangerous ball. And, Lock and Morgan flicks it through to Bond, who's closing in on goal. McCauley Bond, one-on-one, -on -one, shoots. It's oh. saved by Balkowski. He tried to nudge it through his legs. And Balkowski denies him that. Best chance of the game so far goes to Chelsea. Forced back by the Chelsea right back. It's on the right-hand side of Mills' attack, though. So it goes backwards to Romeo. Just skips past McGeady way too easily. Romeo's got options left and right. Goes inside to Woods. Thinks about a shot. Cuts inside. Dinkborn the penalty here is lovely. Comes to Jed Wallace. It's a great a save from Dylan Phillips. And Albie Morgan clears two great chances. One for Charlton, one for Mill in the space of about 90 seconds. That was outstanding. Looks on the diagonal towards Pierce, who's got the run. Heads it into penalty here. Can Hemmer get on the end of it? Hemmer with the shot! Inches wide! He just angled his foot. Tommy Hemmer round the ball and died. just put it towards goal. And just somehow it just avoided the post. Oh, a great, a great effort. effort. A great effort. Well, and this is a good jump by Cullen. Forces pressure. A good touch from Oshelaja finds Morgan. Morgan, that's a lovely ball to find McGeady. Slightly wayward touch, but McGeady can still run in. McGeady's trying to take on Cooper towards the edge of penalty. And McGeady still. McGeady shoots. Ooh. Tried to place it in the oh. corner and didn't get it right. Charlton claiming a corner. And got it as well. Throws his hands in the air. Swings it in. It's a clear push by Hamed. Yeah, just a bit. He's yeah. headed away anyway. It's out of play. And there is the half-time whistle here at the Valley. We're at half-time is Charlton nil. Short to McGeady. McGeady looking to turn. Backwards to Cullen. Crosses towards the far post. Oh, it's Too over hit. McCauley Bond will give chase, but he'll do well to keep that in. Oh, oh he has done brilliantly. Finds Oshelaja. Crossing opportunity again for Charlton. He swings it in. Decent looking delivery. It's a header! Oh, it's just wide. Charlton claiming a corner. It's a goal kick. I couldn't see who got the final contact. Might have been Tom Lockyer, might have been Tom Ahmed. A wonderful cross from Deji Oshelaj and great play from McCauley Pond to McGeady. McGeady crossing the penalty here, it's head away. Comes down, Cullen with a shot again, it's a good block. Out to Lockyer, to the right-hand side to Matthews, crossing opportunity for Cholm. Cuts inside, Matthews crossing the penalty, Hammett with the header, and it's Ooh. wide. But Cholm inc increasing pressure. Headed away by Oshelaj, great header. Anike turns, great control. Anike towards the penalty here, Anike goes Ooh. for goal, but it's wide. And Nikkei's presence has a great turn and touch. Comfortably wide, but uh, decent. Hemet controls. It's a good challenge from Pierce. But it might come to McGeady and does. McGeady on a run towards the edge of penalty area. Lays it off for Nikkei. And Nikkei inside the penalty area to Ooh, shoot. And it's a save from Balkowski. It was going wide, but the goalkeeper yeah. didn't take any chances. Cullen with the corner for Cholton. We'll swing it in. Swings it towards the far post. Darren Prattley rises. Prattley heads down. Oh, oh and it just bounces off the ground and swinging. over. Fairly central position. Headed away. But in a nice drops to Lockyer, who swung a boot at it, and it's in the crowd. He's at the bottom of the covered end. Someone's going to need a new crowd here, unfortunately. <laughs> Hell of a strike from Lockyer. But it's just... Finds Cooper. Hamid pursuing him backwards, but it finds Mahoney. Mahoney takes a shot. That's a save by Dylan Phillips, and the follow-up has gone in. Was that Cooper? It was. 
It just continued his run. There was a strong shot from Mahoney, which forced Phillips to save. I thought it was a good save initially. And then the follow-up from Cooper. It just gets there ahead of Lockyer and just taps it in and drives it past. It's a shame because I don't think we've all been good this second half at all. I'd be interested to know whether Cooper was offside from that. Um, there was no claim, no shout. It's a strange because Mill have had hardly anything this second half whatsoever. Need to throw really. this jail and they're taking too long. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> now, yeah, the referee blows the whistle, adds no time at a time wasting in that added time, which is not a surprise, but uh, familiar story here at the Valley against Millwall. There we go then, the highlights of uh, Friday evening's 1-0 home defeat against Millwall. Um, Naif, I mean, I mean, let, let's let's go straight to the, the goal that, that, that your mate Cooper scored. Um, uh, question marks over Dylan or no? I mean, we'll hear from Lee Bailey what he made of it, but I saw I saw some people were questioning Dylan. Do you think there was much more he could have done with that? It was a fierce shot that that came in. Was it Bradshaw? I think who uh, who picked it up on the far side, a low shot, and and Dill's done. He got he got behind it, couldn't quite hold on to it. And it's come out to to uh, Cooper. I mean, some some are saying they thought he could have done better. My my initial reaction was I don't know if he could have done much more than that because it was such a, a powerful shot and he did parry it away from goal, which is what you, you're taught to do as a goalkeeper. Exactly. And I think, you know, I mean, Dills will probably, uh, as, much, as much as he probably knew he couldn't really do much, he'd probably still be a little bit disappointed that he didn't do more. But I mean, unless you're, like you said, it was a powerful shot and he did push it away from goal. Um, but for me, it's... You look at the two chances for me is that you've got the first one, which still saved against Jed Wallace, where Albie Morgan went to sleep, which I think might be one of the reasons why he come off, um, because I think they were, they were, they were going, they were trying to not target Albie, but they knew that he wasn't going to track his man. So Jed Wallace got through, and then even with their goal, I'm not being funny, I can't remember who it was, but you're letting a centre half run into a box. And we've just gone to sleep again, and it's the f who wanted it more, who who reacted to the second ball, and it was a centre half, and it's a good finish. But I don't think um, I don't think that yeah, you could put any blame on Dills. But again, if you can, that's fine. But you've got to remember the saves he's done before that as well. I mean that that Jed Wallace one was unbelievable. Was when that when he went through a right goal, and mm. it was like um, so you still sort of half one half six and one half a dozen the other. But I wouldn't put any blame at Dills doorstep. Mm. I'm not. I'm not you know, I'm not saying he's not um, he's not doing any criticism sometimes because we've all criticised him at some point. But for that, for that sake, there, I don't think he could have yeah. done much more. Um, if he literally fumbled it out, literally to someone in the centre, then you could probably say. But like you say, he's pushed it out. But once he's pushed it out, he's relying on the, his defence in front of him to try and get those first, first second, third balls. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was a bit of a blow. But when it comes, what was it? What minute was it? Eighty-eight, eighty-seven. It was eighty-first minute. There was still time. Oh, right. it's like I was like, wow, here we go again. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but it's it's, it's annoying. But <laughs> it's like it was just so irritating because we, like I said earlier, it was just we could have. There was a couple of times where Hemed went through, and um, I was like, we could have just done so much more. I mean, like Mark said, we started really brightly, and I was like, hang about, who's this? Who's this turning up? For a derby game, but um, yeah, for um, but in terms of the goal, yeah, it was to be fair to the lad, it was a good finish for a centre half. Can you imagine Lockie doing that? I know he shanked one, but Jesus, but um, <laughs> yeah, no, it was a decent little finish yeah. for Cooper, but I would put any blame at deals. Yeah. Well, I, I'm interested, Mark. I mean, would uh, just because I've seen a mixed reaction from Charlton fans on social media, do, I mean, what was your view on the goal? Do you think Dylan should have done better? No, I, I saw that. You know, as soon as he goes in, I think people actually are willing him 
So any goal which goes in is Dylan's fault. Well, there's people have butter fingers, butter fingers. I'm thinking, you know, it's that saying he's the best keeper in this championship. Um, with shots he's faced and I think it's come at him it's low like, like Nathan said he's, he's, he's pushed away from goal you know and that Cooper's just come you know chanced on where it was going to end up and it was a good finish um, and whether the defender should have reacted better I don't know I think it came so quickly at him I, I, I think you've got to hold your hands up and say you know what it's, I don't think Dylan can, can take the blame I think like I said, he'll probably feel a bit like oh could I have done better they could always have done better you know but he came at him you know and he stopped it going in and it's a follow up which for you know Vesson Marv was really not the level off that ball mm. you know yeah. so when it happened uh, there was inevitability about it I felt through that last half of that second half I just thought myself, I just can't see this finishing nil nil I really couldn't I just thought they were getting back into it and we were just we were dropping too deep I thought as soon as he made that change at half time I'm presuming Albie's got a knock because he was targeted a bit by a couple of air guys and he got a couple of digs. Mm. And I thought as soon as Field came on, we looked just too defensive. We didn't have... One thing Albie can do, he can do that first-time pass and we didn't have anyone on who, who was doing that. I mean, even when we brought um, Johnny on, you know, I know uh, Tom was saying on Twitter about, you know, even he could run around for 20 minutes. Thinking that's what he did do for 20 minutes, run around. He didn't really get the ball and we didn't have any invention. So Dylan can't be blamed. And I just think we just, just looked too defensive in the second half. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's frustrating not knowing exactly what the situation is with Albie Morgan because um, we were doing the interview with Bo on, on Friday after the game and I had a question about Albie Morgan written down on, on my notepad and then uh, we were doing it over Zoom and I, my uh, Wi-Fi in, in the stadium appeared to cut out and I couldn't get back in so I never got around to asking that question which is annoying because I would have found out whether it was a tactical situation or whether he was injured because he, he did go down a couple of times in that first half, uh, Albie Morgan. Ben, I mean, overall I thought we defended okay. I think there was that one time we fell asleep where, um, where like we say, we saw Woods chip it over the, over the back and Jeb Wallace went in and, and, and Dills made a good save. Um, other than that, we tended to to be dealing with the crosses that were coming in. We conceded a lot of set pieces, corners, but again, didn't give away too many chances from them. But I, I, I think you'd say for the goal, um, I think I just looked up as Maloney who cut inside and had the shot. And, and it was just unusual that Adam Matthews wasn't close enough to him to prevent that original shot. And then when it's come back out, Lockyer's almost all, almost on top of it. And you think he's going to get his foot there, but, but Wallace has, j- has just got there ahead of him. Because other than that, I thought we defended okay. I think we defended really well. I mean, for me, the best chance of the game was when he come in the six-yard box, they cut it across goal, and Smith was there ready to hit it in, and Lockyer just got there ahead and managed to push Smith a little bit off his off balance, and we managed to block it away. And look, we've had four games now. We've conceded one goal out of those four games. So for me, the defence isn't there to be shot at, I think. Again, I agree with the rest of the guys. I, I, I don't think it was Dylan's fault. It's a wet night. It was windy. The shots come in. He's made he's made a save. He's pushed it away from goal. But look, Mill will play three centre-backs at the back. So it gives uh, one of those centre-backs free reign to run forward. And, and that's what Cooper did. He's free reign. Mm. Hemed was with him. If you watch the replay, Hemed's with him at the edge of the box. And is it Thomas' fault? I don't know. At the time, I blamed him because I thought you haven't followed him. The shots come in and Cooper's gone, gone for it and, and whacked into the goal. As, as the guy said, it was a good finish. He hit it into the roof of the net. 
for me at the start, I was thinking, oh, Tomo, just follow the runner. Like, follow him into the box. I know you're not a defender, but that's your guy, really. You followed him to the edge of the box. Follow him all the way. And, yeah, look, we dived in. We tried to stop it. Um, again, it was a good finish. But overall, I, I thought our defensive work was good. Mm-hmm. As, as Nate said earlier, they're experts from set pieces. We, we defended well against that. Uh, Dylan made a great save. Um, in the first half from from Wallace, I don't think you can blame the defence. I think we're four games in, we conceded mm. one goal. It was just a shame overall that the chances we had, we just couldn't couldn't finish one really. Yeah. And that and that's the main talking point, isn't it, Nathan? Is the fact that we are four games now into the into the restart and we scored twice, and they've both come from headers from set pieces. Um, it, it's clear, you know, we, we we knew going into this this little spell with with Lyle Taylor gone, with the fact that we didn't score any goals in our um, in our pre-season games, if you want to call them that, against Arsenal and against Fulham, we knew that goals were going to be a problem. And you were hoping that someone like Maka was going to hit the ground running in this little spell. We missed a couple of chances up at Hull, perhaps unlucky with, with one uh, where he headed it wide. Another one was across from Deji Oshelaja that went across the face of goal, which he didn't get onto. And you think, well, if he takes one of those, then maybe he's a different player now. But clear clear as day as he went through with that one-on-one after Albi played him through in the first half, that he's not confident at the moment. And, you know, our other striker, unfortunately, is Tom Ahmed, who, who hasn't scored a goal all season. Well, exactly. And then, as I said earlier, I mean, you look at our forwards, two of them, two of them have hardly really played. One's a naturally right winger. And then you've got one who's shot of confidence. So it's, it's difficult. I mean, the only way you're going to get confident is if something, you know, he does, he just keeps that. He gets himself in the right positions and then um, hopefully he takes one and then we can build on it. But, I mean, for me, it's, you know, I don't think we were good enough up front on Friday. But I also think I was disappointed in McGeady a little bit because I really thought he was going to play well. I don't know why. I just had an inkling he was going to play well. But... He had a couple of bits here and there, but he was a bit disappointing. And I think one of the lads said earlier, there wasn't, I think it was Mark said about the invention side of things. If you look at the, the connectivity between the midfield and the the forwards, there's not really a lot there, you know. And we started going long when we had Taylor, you know, we, we could go long because Taylor could hold it up. It'll, it'll peel off, it'll go into the channels and pick it up. But we're not doing that. We just started going long and hoping for flick ons, and it was just so frustrating. and we're just we're just lacking that little bit of spark at the moment for me. And um, said it on Twitter. Yes, I, I really think Tuesday's a good game. We'll talk about it later, obviously, for Aussie to come in. But I just think we're missing that that little bit of something else that will give us the link up play instead of just going right. Let's go direct. We can play. We can look. We can knock it about. Like Mark said, first ten minutes we look good. We look really good. Um, we look sharp. Um, but it will come. But like you say, we scored two goals, two set pieces. They all count. Doesn't matter. Um, but if we're going to want to make it easier for ourselves, which we never seem to do, is we've really got to start being a little bit more clever in the final third and being a lot more ruthless. Mm. I mean, when, when, when Lee Bowyer looks to make changes then, Mark, I guess, um, you know, Johnny Williams, Chooks and EK both coming on with 15 minutes uh, left to go. Um, what, what, what did you make of it? Uh, well, Chooks and EK were a, bit, were a bit longer. What did you make of the two of them? Because obviously Johnny Williams in particular, we've... Uh, We've been hoping hoping that he could be a, a key player in this run, and he hasn't really featured too much. But you said he hasn't, uh, you know, the, the break hasn't been kind to him. He came on on on, on Friday, and to be honest, he was, uh, uh, yeah, he, he was a bit anonymous, which which was a bit of a letdown. Well, that was the thing with 
thought all the subs, I mean, <clears throat> Phil did Phil did okay. Um, I thought Alfred Oatley didn't really manage to run at anybody and use his um, you know his his, his pace. Uh, Chum and Bond together that might work a touch more as a partnership, a bit more mobile means to go. And I'm just thinking, as soon as Mill scored, I'm thinking he knows Juve should have been ready. They've been warming up the second half straight on. He got 15 minutes to try it, then he left it too late to get nabs on. Um, Williams, like I say, I think when he got the ball, I got, he got fouled once. He had a couple of dribbles, but there wasn't anything there. There were no no runners, no overlapping. And we, I think, we were still sitting. For, for a team looking for a goal, we were still worried about them counter-attacking too much. Um, as to where he goes on on Tuesday, is the answer to that. I have no idea. I think, one, it's who's fit, who feels they can play another game. Um, that will probably do it. Whether Matthews is fit enough after, because he was out, to do another do a Tuesday after a Friday. You know, the negates where we go three, and I, I, I agree with Nathan. I'd, I'd stick Ozzy in because I, I think he's he has got that. I mean, the way I, I look at it, is we've got four, we've finally scored twice, yes, but you know, we've done two wins, one draw, one loss. Now you're thinking, regardless of who you're playing against, I mean, this feels worse because it's Millwall, but you got to think yourself, if you'd said to us before it was all restarts again, like first four games, two wins, one draw, one loss, we'd probably said, you know what, I'll be happy with that, I'll take that. It's only because the teams below have started to pick up some points you know, up until this weekend that, that would have been an issue. So, you know, it's, it's, hard, it's hard all round. You know, I think so let's have a listen to what Lee Bayer said. Uh, after the defeat against Millwall on Friday. So, as I said, I caught up with the Addicts boss over Zoom. Uh, I sort of disappear halfway through and he starts speaking to other people because my uh, my Zoom uh, sort of crashed out. But uh, this is a bit of what Lee Bowyer made of the defeat uh, against Millwall on Friday evening. I um, thought it was harsh that we didn't get anything from the game. I think uh, it was quite an even game, but I think we edged it second half. Um, and, yeah. It's disappointing not to have come away with three points in, in my eyes, let alone with without one. So, um, yeah, disappointment. It was one of those games, I guess, where it, it could have gone either way. But, I mean, up here, Steve Brown said he thought the Charm were looking the, the more likely in the second period. Is that how you, how you it went? Yeah, I thought that we, we got into some very good areas. Um If anyone was going to score, it was going to be us. That's the way I felt. I didn't feel like they was really hurting us or, or troubling our goalkeeper at all. Um, it, it seemed to be us, the ones that was getting the chances and, and, and missing them. So, uh, so yeah, it's, it's it's definitely a tough one to take. A bit like when we played them at their place. It always seems to be the way again against Millwall for, for Charlton. I mean, you, you did have those, those chances in, in the first half. We saw one for, for Tom Ahmed and for Macaulay Bond. Um, I, I guess it, it is a bit of a frustration that you're not converting chances as much as you'd like to to only the two goals since you come back. An understatement. I just said to him there that the chances we created against Hull should have won the game comfortably. The chances against QPR should have won the game comfortably. Um, Cardiff, we created good chances there. Um, 
And today, again, like you can't, you can't, you can't keep missing chances. We, I said to him, we haven't scored in open play. Have we not scored in open play in these four games we've played? Have because we've probably created fifteen good chances in all them four games. And what you can't, we can't take one. Like it's not like we don't work hard every every day. We work hard every day we're in. We, we work hard on things. And, and today, McCauley, one-on-one with a goalie, like, can't be missing them chances. You can't. Because if you do, this is what can happen in this division. You can get punished from nothing. So, it hurts. It hurts. I was going to say with Matthew, I mean, do you think his confidence is a bit low at the moment? Because we know he's a good finisher. And we saw the, the form he got into when, when he came into the side earlier on in the season and got his eight goals do you, would, you, would you think that was him at the moment it's just not being clinical that's what's up with him um, I don't know I don't know why he's why he's missing chances I don't know but like I said we work hard and, and pass on the right information to him every time so um, I don't know why maybe he just needs something to hit him and go in that might get him get him going, but um, yeah. One, if we'd have sitting here, you said our oh, league good result, three points. I wouldn't have been surprised. So um, yeah, it's yeah. We've got to, got to wait to play him again. Yes, Lee. Not that I'm criticising your goalkeeper because he did well overall, but were you a little bit disappointed? He didn't he didn't hold the first shot that allowed uh, Cooper to follow up and score. Um, no. No, I wouldn't say that. Um, I thought it was a, a good, powerful shot, the, the first one. Um, so yeah, I thought he'd done, done well to, to save that. Then it's, it's in the lap of the gods, then where it then goes to. Um, it could have gone anywhere. Mm. We had a few of them and then it, it went to their defenders, you know, and unfortunately for us, it, it went to, to their ladders. Instead of one of ours, so a little bit of luck there, and we didn't get it. But great finish mm. from set off. Um, and confident you can bounce back though, because that's the key, isn't it? Bouncing back. Yeah, that's the key. Uh, got a tough one next, Brentford. So um, yeah, we'll, we'll have to definitely be at it there because uh, they're a very good side. Um, completely different to to um, So um, yeah. I'm gonna, how would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Cullen trying to take his man on. Chip ball back across. Bowers there. Pierce is there. Bowers with a header. And it's Joe. Yes! 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 Oh, he's got Oh, Patrick Barr! Right, welcome back to Charlton Live then. We just heard from Lee Bayer after the defeat against Millwall uh, on Friday. Ben, you can you can hear he's hurting and, and um, you know, I asked him about McCauley Bond, what he said about, you know, why why he's not quite been at it. And he, and, and it's clear he's, he's, he's just not being clinical at the moment. But, I mean, we, we've seen Macca be clinical in stages this season. Um, so it's up to Lee to try and coax something out of him he said he said he's given him all the right information in training but you know he, he's he's got a spell a, a spell of good form out of him earlier on this season I guess he's got to try and find a way to, to make sure it happens again yeah definitely we need to go back to where the training he was getting before this to, to get him the goals let's remember where McCauley's come from last season he was top goal scorer in the National League so non-league football he's, he's come from that and now he's become, since Taylor's uh, stopped playing for us, he's become the number one striker, really, our club. We've looked at McCauley because of his form during the rest of the season. We kind of thought, oh, do you know what, McCauley's... And they're not just tappings he scored. I mean, against Bristol City at home, he scored two really good goals. And there's a player in him. Um, but look, he's probably never come against like a... A big game, right? I mean, it's it's a big game for us. It's the South London derby. Um, there's there's extra pressure on his shoulders. He might be feeling the heat because he hasn't scored yet since lockdown and and, and coming back. And he's got Tomer next to him who hasn't scored for the club yet. So there's there's pressure on him. Look, he he probably snatched that chance a little bit where he was he was through on goal. He he's going to be hurting, of course he is. But look, there's there's no point. We've got what, five games left now, there's no point getting on his back, it's, it's time to work with him, there's definitely some talent there with McCauley, and there's talent there with Tomer as well, it's 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 weird, it's a weird situation isn't it, because we're not in the middle of the season now, we're we're in the middle of our, our games left, we've got five games left, look, the teams below us, they've they've had some poor form over, this, over the weekend, so look, it's time for us to capitalise, Brentford's going to be a huge game, but we've got to work with these strikers now to kind of think, right, how can we score now? This not worked so far. We've only scored from set pieces. How can we? And as the guys said earlier, I think maybe bringing Aussie in or starting with Johnny, that we've got to try something different because at the moment, the strikers aren't feeding off what, what they've been given. 
Yeah, excellent stuff. Right, I mean, Benji's mentioned there, Nathan, about the form of the sides in and around us at the bottom of the championship uh, this weekend. We've had a bit, I mean, it depends which way you want to look at it. It could be either a wasted opportunity or a bit of a let-off because if if we got the three points now uh, on Friday and then everyone else went and did what they've done over the weekend with almost everyone losing, then we'd be in a very healthy position. But it's a let-off because we went first, we lost, and then no one really has capitalised on it. Huddersfield got a point at home to Preston in a nil-nil. That's it. Fulham beating Ben Maite, uh, getting five of the uh, four of the goals for uh, the visitors. Honestly, um, nil. Um, obviously helps Stoke out, but doesn't doesn't bode too well for Barnsley. Uh, Middlesbrough beating Hull, sorry, at the Hawthorns by four goals to two. So, I mean, looking at the table, as it, as it stands, we're two points above Middlesbrough, uh, who are on 44 points. We're on 46. We've got Huddersfield and Hull in between us and Borough. Uh, who are top of the relegation zone. Barnes are on 41, Luton on 40 points in the bottom two. Um, then if you take into account Wigan, so Wigan are currently on 50 points, but if they do get this 12-point deduction, which is apparently being appealed, then if they do get it, they'll be on 38 points, which would actually see them drop to bottom of the table. Middlesbrough would jump out of the relegation zone. Barnsley would therefore be the team that we have to stay above in 22nd. They're on 41 points. We'd be therefore five points clear, which is effectively... Uh, a sixth point with goal difference. If they get the five, if they make up the exact five points, then our goal difference should be much better. So we're in a healthy position still. Nath, the weekend, the weekend was kind to us in terms of what the other teams did, uh, which is good, I guess. When when you look into the fixtures, we still got to play Brentford and Leeds, two massively difficult games. We still got Wigan and Reading coming up at home in an away game against Birmingham, which is you know they're not doing very well their home form Birmingham but it's never going to be easy for for a side like us to go to go away from home so it's it's still all to play for but i guess uh, 3 weeks ago when we were still in lockdown and we were in the relegation zone i guess you would have taken where we are now yeah of course i think if you were like you said for me i think two wins ought to be enough um sounds quite a, doesn't sound like a lot really but i mean you look uh, if you and then they've got some real, I think they've got, because I think quite a lot of the teams are playing each other um, down there. So obviously neither team, no, both teams can't get three points. So um, I think, yeah, I think six points would be all right. I mean, and the thing is, obviously you're going to, you're going to have teams now, which I don't, unfortunately for us, isn't the case because we're all playing teams who have something to play for, maybe excluding Birmingham, maybe, but um, but if you go and if you're playing teams like I don't know like a Bristol City or a Blackburn, Preston, they ain't really got anything to play for now. I don't think so. Um, you might have some more. Uh, you might have some more results from the teams fighting relegation uh, that might pick up some points there. But and we said it like you said at the beginning. It's it's a brand new start. It's, it's literally like a massive pre-season and it's a mini nine-game season for everyone. Like the, the slates wiped clean and. They're just mad. I mean, look at like you say, Luton drew one all against Leeds, and they get absolutely pumped at home. But um, so yeah, it's, it's it's just crazy. I mean, Stoke mm. were out of form and then just rock up and win four nil. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think if we just concentrate on ourselves, I think with the with the Wigan thing, it's difficult because you're always gonna look at oh well, if you know if they do have that point deduction, they'll be bottom. And but I got. I just think we should try and treat it as if they're not going to get it because I think if you do you might try and take your foot off the pedal a little bit but if we can get anything on Tuesday brilliant but I'll be focusing on the the Red it's Reading and Birmingham first isn't it yeah if we get two wins Reading and Birmingham I think that should be fine yeah and um, yeah because they ain't no, no one can get three points each so I, mm. I think we'll be alright but yeah. 
as long as we try and be that little bit more prolific like we've already spoke about. Yeah, well, let's have a look at some of the messages that came in then over the course of the weekend after the defeat against Mill. This one came in almost bang on full time. I saw it flashing up on my laptop while I was Mill again. However, is this the worst bunch of attacking players for many a year? They're dread pad for many a year. Do you think? Do you agree with Phil there, or do you think that's harsh? Um, it's difficult. Well, I don't, I don't want to sit there and slate saying they're rubbish because they're not. What I think is that it's just unfortunate and can play up top that haven't had any rhythm. So even if before, even if lockdown never, uh, Bond was doing okay. But again, he's come like Benji said, he's come from National League to Championship, and sometimes it works if you're Jamie Vardy, but not for everyone. And then you've got Green, who is predominantly a left or right sided uh, winger, if you're on the left, if he cuts in. So in terms of ability, I don't think it is. Um, I mean, I remember the days when we had Pavel Abbott, Paul Benson and Joe Anjansar. So I know that, that was pretty tough to watch. But um, and that post Soji, Jesus. Um, but yeah, I don't think in terms of ability, I don't think it's there. I just, we haven't, it's not settled and it's no one's in any form. So like, you know, we know our defence is playing well. We know our midfielders can play well. We've got good good midfield players. But at the moment, we're just not clicking up front because we built our team around Lyle Taylor. And now Lyle Taylor isn't here, we've had to adapt. And again, that came, we've had, how, how long did he have to do that? Like he had a, only had a couple of weeks to do that to, to say, right, we haven't got Lyle now. So we've built all, because all our play did go through Lyle. We can't ever say they didn't. So now we're having, having to rely on others. So I can, I can. I mean, I was quite vocal on Friday in the WhatsApp group. You know, I was I was fuming because we weren't good enough up front. But I, I know where he's coming from, but I wouldn't say it's the worst set of attacking options we've ever had, given mm. the list that I just said. Yeah, right. Simon O'Hara emails in. Hi, guys. Uh, I had to wait until the morning before writing this to clear my head of the disappointment. Like all of us at the moment, I'm so fed up with the also predictable result. Our, a lot was our own doing. We easily could have been 2-0 up before Millwall scored. Chooks has to start Tuesday now. He clearly causes problem about Chooks. He reminds me of Lieburn, i.e. a good hold-up player. Not sure he'll get us 15 goals a season. All seems a bit clumsy, but he clearly causes defenders problems. Yeah, I mean, he got 19 last season for... Uh, Milton Keynes over the the course of all competitions. So I mean, he has got goals in him, but yeah, he hasn't looked too much like scoring since he's come back, but he has been lively. Uh, Simon says, I'm writing this uh, before any other games are played out on Saturday afternoon. So come uh, by the time you record the show, we'll know more than uh, by then. But I still feel we'll stay up just yet. I'm sure we'll feel more so like that after seeing all the results have come in over the weekend. With Luton six points behind us, and sadly, and I do mean that, we'll see Wigan drop into the bottom three uh, with their points deduction. I just feel uh, from the fixtures against Reading, Birmingham and Wigan, we'll scrape through to 50 or 51 points. It's my birthday today on Saturday the 4th, so at least the game being switched to the Friday didn't totally ruin the birthday again. 21 years old again. Yeah, happy birthday for Simon uh, for last Saturday. Uh, anyway, good show as always and let's keep the faith. Yeah, cheers. Simon right, Steve emailed in as well. Hi guys it was a frustrating result but not the one that will determine our season. That will be Birmingham and Reading in my opinion I felt we deserved uh, what we what would have been a vital point against and score goals. I think Johnny has to come in for McGeady to give us more drive from midfield and win some set pieces. Hopefully we will stay up and hopefully the battering that Barnsley and Luton each received uh, yesterday and the sad Charlton is going to be uh, tight and tense. Uh, keep up the good work. Thanks. That's from Steve. Yeah, so um, do you think that's viable? Because like I say, I mean, Johnny didn't look his best on, on Friday, but McGeady is pretty much flat. Oh, oh, you know, I say, I'd probably be getting um, a sheep's head in the bed later, but I wouldn't start Williams. I really wouldn't. I'd probably I'd want to put Lapsley in midfield and I'd want to put Ozzy 
you know, somewhere around so he can fit around and put some passes. I think Lapsley will give you some energy and he'll be a touch more box to box. And, you know, everyone's saying, yeah, everything was going through Lyle, but I think one of the bigger misses for us has been someone like Conor Gallagher. You know, we can lament players who aren't with us. I think, you know, he was he was making up numbers in the box. I mean, if you look at the times we got the ball into the box and, you know, Hamed and Bond, and there was really no one else following in. Um, so, you know, it's that kind of box-to-box midfielder. OK, it's not Albie's um, strong point, but, you know, Lapsley has got a good good engine and, you know, he scored this season with, with that by being in the right place at the right time. And I think that's that's the person I'd put in to, on start on Tuesday. Uh, Lapsley. And to talk about strikers, no-one's mentioned um, uh, Josh Davison. You know, he's just signed an extension to his contract. Surely, you know, he's, he's going to be champing up a bit because now he's, he's saying there's an extra space up front and he can go and show what he does. OK, he's, he's young, but he, if, a, if an experienced strikers aren't scoring, you know, why not throw him in for 15, 20 minutes, half an hour mm. and have him sort of like run around? But you've got nothing really virtually to lose. It is a mini-league, so it's not like it's going to affect... If he doesn't score, it's not going to affect his confidence for a season. You know, no, no one's mentioned him yet. So yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd be tempted to not maybe start him, but let's stick him on. Yeah, you're quite right. Yeah, Josh Davison's been an un, unused sub at times. He wasn't on the bench against uh, Millwall, but he does seem to have been on the bench uh, in the other games we've had so far since uh, coming back from uh, lockdown. So, yeah, maybe he will be an option that, that Lee Bowie will, will consider when uh, when we're really not scoring goals. Right, um, Rootsy said, uh, a lot of people call out Dylan for his kicking, uh, but I couldn't help but feel most of his distribution is off the back of dodgy back passes that are sometimes closed down by opposition players. My bigger concern is goal scoring. By my account, we've gone around 11 hours of football uh, without a goal from open play, which was Lapsley against Luton before the lockdown, and around 18 hours of football since the striker other than Lyle Taylor scored, which was Green, uh, Andre Green against Barnsley without this issue being addressed I can't see us escaping uh, relegation yeah that's a good point we just aren't scoring unfortunately from open play uh, at the moment right Dan said uh, Charlton being Charlton will probably get a result against Brentford now results have gone our way uh, today uh, and yesterday strikers need a confidence boost Cappuccino still believe we'll stay up can't really blame Bond and Anike look where they were last season Hemed did okay but he's not a goal scorer basically we lack firepower and we'll need to look for a goal and then graft uh, the uh, the games to the full-time whistle. Right, Dan says uh, Carlin had to go on loan and rebuild his confidence after we kept playing him when he wasn't ready in an eye. As, as good as he's been, he isn't ready yet for starting uh, week in, week out at this level. What do you reckon about that, Ben? In, a, in, 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 that, in that little spell before Christmas and he, and he obviously hasn't he come back and hasn't got one since. What do you reckon? I guess we're just all frustrated at the moment, aren't we? As, as I said earlier, I think there's a lot of pressure on Bond's shoulder since... Taylor's uh, not playing for us anymore so it's hard maybe he feels himself he's snatching at them whereas before the pressure wasn't on because obviously Taylor was injured so it, it was a bit of luck he was in the squad and he thought oh do you know what here's my chance to take it then he's shown that form and then we're all going do you know what Bond can do it he's done it before and then he's feels like the pressure and, and yeah maybe sometimes we forget that last season he was in the non-league playing for Leighton Orient and and yeah of course in an ideal world of course we'd we'd like to loan him out maybe get him some confidence because he has had a massive jump massive jump of three leagues so yeah in an ideal world yeah but look, we've got five games left now so 
it's, it's time to work with him and think, right, let's focus on how you were getting goals before and, and getting people around you that maybe aren't around you before that to get you those goals because we, we can't get anyone else in now and, and him, Hemed, Aniki, as Mark mentioned, maybe Davison, we've got to try and work a way of getting these people getting goals from open play. Mm, right, Southern Comfort said yesterday went wrong uh, when some silly prima donna decided he was frightened of getting injured and left us short of firepower, referring, of course, to Lyle Taylor. They're harsh blaming Bon, Hemed and Anike because that gets Lyle Taylor off the hook. Hemed has improved as a player. Anike has barely played. John says we just need the strikers to take the chances they get given and if need be, have one of them have it go in off their ass cheek uh, as they all can't. We'll need uh, to take on the opposition more in the final third. Stick Naby up front and play Williams from the start on Tuesday. Mina says attack and midfielder unable to shoot with power on target since the restart. Suggests training staff watch new kids. Our players needs to be instinctive, automatic, accurate and creative. Practice needed a day in and that we're after at the moment. And then John said I didn't watch the game but it seems that strikers missing chances was a key reason for the DSI clowns left us in a position where we only had one reliable striker. It'd be nice to score from open on Tuesday. Right let's have a quick break here on Charlton Live. We will be looking ahead to that game against Brentford on Tuesday later on. We're also going to discuss uh, the answers that Paul Elliott, the new sort of owner, uh, gave to some questions from the China Athletic Supporters Trust after the break and we'll discuss a little bit more uh, the situation that's going on at Wigan Athletic. Whatever that is, it's slightly disconcerting. No direction, no set plan. Solly, backwards to Lockyer. Lockyer, short to Bond. Bond, lovely chip ball forward to Solly. Gets the touch. Solly, chips Ooh. to the back post. He'll come the way of Perrington. It's an awkward one. Pass back to Cullen, who strikes for the strikers. Oh. Blot comes the way of Bond with the header. Yes! Bond with the goal! And Charlton equalise! Josh Cullen's thunderous effort. Right, welcome back to Charlton Live. Uh, I think we've uh, drawn a line under Friday's game against Millwall. Um, you know, t- taking a bit of stick on, on social media as you do after these games, but you're so used to it now. It's just water off a duck's back, really, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, something that had that was interesting uh, on Friday, um, we, we knew that the China Athletic Supporters Trust had sent some questions over to Paul Elliott, the new owner, um, and, and some interesting answers from. So I'm just going to point out some of them that that, that that caught my eye. So the first one is the fact that Company's House hasn't been updated with the, the details of the new owners. Um, you know, there, there's no indication of, of Paul Lelia owning the club on the Company's House website. This thing would normally get updated uh, when there's a change in directors of ESI, for example. Um, so the China Athletic Supporters Trust says why has the ownership of ESI not been updated on the company's house website and the answer from Paul Elliott was until we get EFL approval this won't be updated it is important to us that we follow the appropriate protocol uh, the restructuring will take effect through the correct channels once everything is finalised with EFL now this is ringing uh, massive alarm bells Nathan because that's not how company's house works company's house doesn't care if the EFL have said you're allowed to go and play in their football league if you've bought the club and you are in possession of the shares, 
then that needs to be updated on Company's House. It's got nothing to do with the EFL. So that's uh, that's a bit of a weird one, isn't it? Yeah, it, it, it seems a bit weird to me. Cause exactly like you say, Company's House is... You can do that. Company's House is anything. It's like if you had your own business, you can change your shareholders and all that. That way you don't need... Don't need the EFL to approve when you sell your, your shop, your no. corner shop, do you? Like, it's, it's weird. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Imagine, yeah, you don't need it, and that, I don't know. It's a bit of a weird response because it actually doesn't actually take that long um, to change shareholders and companies. I've done it myself, so it doesn't actually take very long as long as you've got it all in line. The EFL is more or less if you're, I would imagine, sanctioned to own a football a football league club. I don't think it's not. Oh, you can't update that website, mate, without our consent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's a bit bit weird, but um, it's always seems a bit weird with us, doesn't it? But uh, yeah, I mean, I've had a. I just don't really know what to take of it, as, to be honest, really. It just seems a bit bit surreal. But then if he's going to come out and say that, surely he knows that people actually know know the actual coup and know why, how it works. So surely he knows, well, as soon as he said that, that questions are going to be asked, going, well, what's the EFL got to do with Company's House? Unless they're literally... Well, so is he saying that they're not officially taken over then? And they're waiting for that to be sanctioned before they update company's house or yeah but they, i mean that's the confusion is the fact that they they've been owning and running the club for however many weeks now you know talking about the amount of money they're putting that they've put in which we'll come on to in a minute but if you own and run a business then you need to have it updated on company's house it doesn't matter if the efl are ready for you to say yeah that's fine the efl may well turn around and say actually no you haven't proved the source and sufficiency of your funding because we've been there before but that doesn't mean that company's house to go oh if efl don't agree to it i'm afraid you don't own this company that's not how it works and that's why uh it's very strange one of the other things that, that came out of it then so of course with the qpr game i photographed at mohammed el kakashi uh, Kahashi, I don't know, at the, uh, at the Valley. And that was the first we'd seen of him. Ago. He spotted at the Valley. He was there again on Friday night. Uh, so the Supporters Trust asked uh, what his role in, in the uh, ESI was now. Uh, and Paul Elliott says, Mohammed is a member of the consortium. He is someone that both Chris Farnell and I have known for some time. So that's all they've said. Um, bit unclear, yeah, really, who else is going to be in the consortium? That was asked. They said, once we heard back from the EFL, we will make that position clear. We are keen again to follow the correct protocol. The new consortium does not include either Mr. Nimir or Mr. Southall and will be completely separate personnel-wise from the company that acquired the club uh, earlier this year. So still a lot of unknowns about who actually owns the club, who's part of this consortium. Uh, the fact that they, they don't seem to be willing to update that on uh, on the company's house website, it will get a lot of alarm bells ringing. Now, another thing that, that's confusing, Mark, is uh, the Supporters Trust asked, uh, if the money that was put in to help the club with the running costs uh, and to cover the June wage bill, uh, is that in the form of a loan or what? And all, uh, and will it be sufficient to cover the wage bill? All they've said is, I can confirm we've injected a considerable sum into the club, which has gone towards both the ongoing running costs and covering the June wage bill. So they haven't made it clear if this money's gone in as a loan, which apparently Tanun Namir was going to do beforehand, although I don't think ever did put any money into the club. So there's, there's still a lot. there's still a lot of uncertainty behind the scenes the funding and whether it's there isn't specific to a specific question like this you wonder well what have you got to hide total politician answer is i'm going to answer the question you know the way i want it but that's not the question you asked and you know because there's still like he's you know i presume he's sending emails and following up that way that's um uh what they're what they're taking off so you can't say so that's not what we asked 
Um, there are red flags everywhere with this. Um, no one out of the good of their heart is going to be putting money in unless there's something in it for them. They're, they're just not going to do that. Um, is it a case of, you know, with our luck, we'll, we'll get to the last game, we'll be safe, and then suddenly they'll say, oh, administration, because mm. of this X, Y, and Z. And, you know, and then it's going, oh, it wasn't anything to do with us, you know, because we're not even directors. No, look, can't go to country's house. We're nothing to do with this club. And they walk away and rock up another club next season. Um, there's no accountability anywhere at the moment. Mm. And that's, that's the worrying thing. I mean, I know, you know, Bowes gets on with it with, you know, with the coaching staff and whatever. And they just want to concentrate on the playing stuff. But, you know, those of us who have been following up with the club for many, many years know that it's, you know, Terry will tell you, you know, the times where you thought, you know, we're going to end up going out of business. You know, we've survived by the skin of our teeth and stuff like that. And you're just thinking, is it another indication like that? I mean, it is, it is a mystery. Like, so the guy could disappear in, in a puff of smoke and no one would actually know anything now. You know, so I'd said a few weeks ago, I, I think they're possibly waiting until, you know, they find out what league we're in next season, then make a move and say X, Y, and Z. And if we are relegated, they'll walk away and go, right, it's not, nothing to do with us. Mm, yeah, you know, I mean, we just, we just, we, we just mopped up the mess from ESI. Yeah, well, that would probably be the, the worst case situation, but certainly no one knows why on earth these people are here. I mean, Paul Elliott did try and say, he spotted. Uh, he was made aware of the opportunity through Chris Farnell. Um, said that he thinks that he can see a long-term future in an investment in, in Charlton. Uh, Charlton has the lowest budget in the league, and with the COVID nineteen crisis, football will have to change, and that should level the playing field. So it doesn't sound like there's going to be loads of money going into the club or anything like that. Um, but people are, are worried about the long-term future. We don't know what's going to happen if if Peter Varney and the Andrew Barkley. Uh, deal is going to go any further at this moment in time they're still they're still fairly vocal on, on twitter those two but who knows it's just uh yeah shrouded in mystery and it doesn't make you feel good about the future of the club especially when we hear uh what's going on at wigan now we know they went into administration uh last week and before we talk about them it was, i thought it was quite interesting because lee bayer uh was asked what he made of the situation uh on friday the addicts boss was asked how he felt about the situation at the dw stadium obviously i i, I feel for the manager um, and, and the players and, and fans of Wigan because they haven't done anything wrong, have they? Um, and the manager's done a great job, turned them around, got them out of, uh, out of the relegation zone and um, it looks like they're going to get get a points deduction from what I understand. Um, and uh, I think that's um, harsh on the... Uh, on the management and staff and, and players and fans of Wigan. So, obviously, I can't control none of that. Yeah, can I just ask Lee a quick follow-up on that Wigan thing? Say, I know there's obviously quite a long way to go, but if that points to Dr. Two, how do you, how do you feel about that kind of situation if that was to, was to happen over the coming weeks? Well, I did. Alan, your, your internet isn't great. I'll see if I can translate that. I think he was saying, Lee, that um, given, the Wigan, given the Wigan situation, how would you feel if the club were to benefit directly from that by, by staying up? Oh, I, I don't make the rules. So um, would I feel harsh on Wigan? Of course. Um, but I don't make the rules. So it's not just with, I think, um, other clubs uh, 
yeah, it's, it might not just be Wigan that, that are in that situation. So there we go, Ben. Lee Bay, you're talking about what's going on over at Wigan. I mean, it's hard to say what we can say, really, because, I mean, there's all sorts of rumours going around that partly fueled by the chairman of the EFL, Rick Parry, who got caught on tape discussing one of them. Um, all, I mean, it sounds like all sorts of potential wrong wrongdoing going on there. But, I mean, looking at it from a purely football point of view, I mean, you've got to feel so sorry for Paul Cook and his side because they've worked absolute miracles since, well, since the turn of the year, really, to get themselves so far away from the relegation zone. And all of a sudden, it's like they're going to have 12 points taken away from them through something that is completely out of their control. Yeah, spot on, mate. It's it's a joke, isn't it? Like we, we're here to play football, and unfortunately, you have people like this that are just involved that don't care about football. They're in to make money for himself, and yeah, Wigan have done so well. Paul Cook just focusing on the football, and they there was it four weeks ago they had this takeover happen. I mean. Behind the scenes, he probably wasn't sure what was happening. But look, they've carried on. And wow, since lockdown, they've done amazing. Great results against teams around them as well. Really cracked on. And then, look, this is going to affect them. Unfortunately, it is going to affect them. Like, well, it could be good for us. But look, we don't want to see a team happening like that. Because as Mark just said, we're looking at uh, this happen to Wigan. Well, for us, we don't know what can happen. No one's taking accountability for who owns our club at the moment. So as much as we're looking at Wigan, we, we feel sorry for him because we're in the same situation. We, we don't know what's happening at our club. But yeah, it is a sad situation. You got four weeks ago. How can that happen? How can the EFL approve something four weeks ago and it goes so drastically wrong mm. in that short period of time? Yeah, I mean, that, pe crazy. people are talking about whether there's going to be some sort of appeal against their 12-point deduction. Uh, I don't really know how that's going to work, Nath. I mean, you could argue that in the current situation, I, I, you know, we wouldn't be shocked if there's a lot more clubs that go into administration because of the COVID nineteen situation, with the fact that that you know we can't get fans in. It's it's very difficult to make more money at the moment to keep your your running costs going. But at the same time, I don't think you can argue that that really affected what happened at Wigan because there was this takeover four weeks ago. So whoever was coming in knew about that so if if this was just a normal situation where someone had come in knowing fully well that there's no money coming into the club and then all of a sudden they've somehow lost all their money and they've gone into administration then you you can't really say that it's come uh, because of an unforeseen circumstance because of covid so i don't know if that if they appealed on that basis and i don't know if that if that will be heard because everyone knew what the situation was four weeks ago now if it's appealed on the basis that there's this rumor that there's some sort of bet going against their own team and they've crashed themselves into administration purely to win that bet, then the EFL would have to understand, I guess, that th this has been done for nefarious reasons to try and beat the system. And therefore, if they actually apply their own rules, they're actually helping someone who's trying to beat their own system and therefore they might be tempted to appeal it. But then that opens all sorts of cans of worms with what would come next with other teams who go into administration. Now, other teams who do go into administration over the next few weeks, who've had long-term owners, who've done their best for their clubs, but all of a sudden find they can't pay the bills because of the COVID situation. You could understand there why it might not be in the interest of the Football League to dish out 12-point penalties to, say, five clubs, if that's the way it goes. It's a real mess, Nathan. I don't know the right answer to it, but... 
as a Cholton fan, you know, and I hate saying this, I mean, it, it could help us, but you'd feel awful about the fact that you'd, you'd feel dreadful if we stayed up because Wigan were deducted 12 points for something that sounds really, really dodgy. Yeah, I mean, I it's just confusing me, really. I mean, when I first saw, um, when I first saw it all, and um, said they they might be appealing. I was like, well, why are they going to appeal against their own decision of going into administration? But like you obviously just explained the different scenarios. But I mean, if it is the rumor thing, it's just an absolute bunch of old crooks, isn't it? Really, like, crooks, really. But um, I mean, the things with points deduction. The only thing I, well, I understand that they've got to enforce things, and then they should rightfully so. But the only thing that annoys me with it is that, in terms of football, I think that you play 46 games on the pitch and wherever you finish is where you deserve to finish. And I think when you bring in financial stuff, I mean, you think of Wigan, I mean, they've been unreal. I mean, I think they've, they've formed, I think they've, uh, was it since the calendar year, they've been the, won the most games or something like that or they've been the most formed team? Mm. Or something like that. Absolutely mad. But, um, yeah, like you say, it's going to be interesting. If they do go ahead with the 12 points, they're going to have to, um, even if they make a, a special case for this one, they're treading on a fine line because you've got to be consistent. And yeah, so, um, but it's sad to see, isn't it? And I just, and like you said, there's, there might be some other clubs in the wings waiting to go down this road. Um, but um, yeah, it's, I, I, I don't know how they're going to get around it, but they obviously ain't going to be able to just toe the line with every single club because, well, especially now this one's come out. Because, I mean, I've read the thread that was put, was put out on social media and it's absolutely mind-boggling. And if you think someone someone can go and do that, who's just a fan, then you go, well, what have the EFL done? So what are the checks of the EFL? Do you know what I mean? Listen, I know they've probably got a hard job or whatever, right? But surely you'd look at this and go, if the stuff that I read was true about, you know, the owners, they're more or less the same people or whatever, surely the EFL look, go, hang on a minute, this don't seem right. Surely. Mm. But obviously not, mate. But so I don't know. I just hope it all gets sorted out. I hope they... Um, you know what, I'd rather us stay up on merit. I don't want us it to be that we stayed up just because Wigan had a 12-point deduction. Like, yeah, it'd be great, but you'd look at it and go, right, well, I'd rather stay up there because we actually done it. And that's why I think we've got to focus on just winning our games and pretend they're never going to get this deduction. Yeah, excellent stuff. Well, let's uh, turn our attention then to Tuesday evening uh, over at Griffin Park, taking on Brentford. Mark, a Brentford side that are in absolutely flying form. Uh, beat Wigan 3-0 uh, on, uh, over the weekend. They won 3-0 at Reading. They beat West Brom 1-0 at home. Uh, they beat Fulham 2-0 away on their return. So they, they've not conceded a single goal since their return. If you go back to their previous game before that, before lockdown, they beat Sheffield Wednesday 5-0. So they're, what, they won 2, 3, 4, 5 games without conceding a goal. Absolute hatful of goals going the other way. Um, you know, it's weird that they're, 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 they're five points behind West Brom. So they're probably an outside chance of automatic promotion, but realistically, they're they're going to have to uh, rely on um, on going up through the playoffs. But I mean, they're right up there. As I'd say that West Brom, Leeds, and Brentford are the three teams that are absolute streets ahead of every other team in this division. Yeah, I mean Brentford. I, I mean when I've seen them on TV this season. They, they are just so attack-minded. I mean, I, I don't know if you've got the table in front of you, but I think they scored something like about 76 goals or something like that, I saw. And it just... Yeah, 73. So, 
73 goals, by far the, the the highest scorers in the division. West Brom are next with 71, and then after them, uh, it's Leeds with 63. So, yeah, they've done very well in front of goal. And they've got goals coming from everywhere, but they're front three. I think one of them's out that he's quarantining, but they're still a phenomenal attack in force. And, um, you know, Griffin Park is a tight little ground. Um, it's, it's hard. I mean, I think the only thing in, in our favour is that our goal difference is better than most teams around us. So if we don't get absolutely slaughtered on Tuesday night, you know, and it's going to sound very negative, if we lose 1-0, I think I'd be happy with that, the way Brentford are playing. They play some really good stuff. I mean, they're going to have a majority of the ball, which sometimes suits us. Uh, you know, on, on the, they're very quite because um, they push up so far. You know, we've really not got anyone. Maybe Doherty who can get round the back. Um, I, I just, I just worry. Again, we were talking. You know, who, who who's going to be fit enough to play? If Matthews is going to be playing, I'd want him playing. Um, I'd put Perrington in because I think you need a proper left back. You know, mm-hmm. Deji didn't do as well at Millwall as he did in the earlier games um, but I think you could put him put Perrington in and be try and be as tight as you can mm. I mean even if you play five put Nabby in as well but because they're so quick and nippy you know I, I worry for a lot of this you know especially running at Pierce and Lockyer who you know aren't the most mobile they're physical you know they're up for a battle you know unfortunately the Brentford front three aren't really the kind of battlers they're, they're, they're nippy little strikers they're kind of like the Vardy's sort of a striker world they're not like the Mitrovic's so they're going to give us all sorts of um, trouble on Tuesday night I can see yeah it's, <laughs> going, to, it's going to be tough it's the, the BMW they, they talk about uh, over uh, over at Brentford, which is of course Ben Rama and Bueno and Watkins, they've got 52 goals between them uh, this season. It does so. Bueno tested positive for coronavirus back in uh, the 20th, so I don't know if that means he'll still be out or not. So it'll be a couple of weeks after, so he may be back by then. I'll have to see you on Tuesday, uh, Ben. But he, he, even if he is, I mean, between them, Ben Rama and Watkins, I think Ben Rama got got the uh, the hat trick, didn't he? Uh, over the weekend against Wigan, Watkins has got a hat full of goals as well this season uh, in, in on 23 goals after 41 starts. I mean, who, whoever's playing out of those three, uh, I mean, our defence has certainly been a bright spark since we come back, but they're going to have their work out on, on, uh, on Tuesday evening. Cool, yeah, we are. I mean, Barama, he's, he's just too good for this league, isn't he? Um, Brentford have a transfer policy where it changes, their team changes a lot every season, really. Because they're happy to sell players on once they get a good enough fee for them. They, they always say that they don't want to keep them. If if they want to go, they're gone. Like we had Ezra Concer go from us to Brentford, and now he's playing for Aston Villa. They got a very well organised side. Thomas Frank hasn't playing great football. I think Mark's right. I think we we go for kind of five at the back and try and pen them in, but then is there going to be a break for us in that? Is it going to be just full-on attacking threat? If if we can keep it down to 1-0, is that a good result? Well, it's, it's hard, isn't it? As a fan, <laughs> you're thinking, oh, what, if we just lose 1-0, is that a good result? I know yeah. what Mark's saying. Yeah, we understand what he means, but obviously we, we need to get something out of it, Nath, ideally. Um, from, from our point of view, how do we go with it? We made seven changes for the... 
game against Cardiff last week, changed them all back for the game with Millwall. Obviously, that was I mean that was two games in the space of four days. So you understand why Bo wanted to be fresh. I mean, do, do you think it will start to mix it up again now? Um, I mean, there, there, are there some players who played at Cardiff who didn't feature against Millwall or didn't start against Millwall? Do you think actually it's time for them to come into that starting lineup? Is Chuksanike one of them? Is Johnny Williams one of them? Is Sam Field one of them? Yeah, I think, I mean, for me, I'd probably make four. Uh, I'd probably put uh, Alfie on the left, uh, Deji or Lapo at right, because we need to keep, Matthews ain't going to be able to play every game. Um, I'd save him for the bigger games, the winnable games, uh, and then Chucks and Ozzy I'd bring in. But uh, for me, I mean, Tuesday, we know it's going to be a hard game, but I'm going to look at it, I'm going to look at it the way that it's a free hit. So do you know what? Have a go. What's the way you're gonna you're gonna if we're gonna lose? I'd rather lose and have a go than just sit behind the ball and then do you know what I mean? I'd rather have a go. It's a free. Hit. You never know what can happen. Um, Brentford are a good side and Buemo played yesterday. I think. Oh, did he? Um, yeah, I think so. But you've got mm-hmm. them free and you've got Macondes as well, who's like a, a technical player. And then you've got Pinnock at Janssen at centre half. I mean, that's just unreal. I've loved. I've I've waxed lyrical about them. Or that and if if we do get beaten by them, fine. They're a good team. I actually mm-hmm. want to go up automatically personally, but yeah. Don't have to- but I think we'll be alright you know if, if we can try and keep it solid play Aussie try and get some the transition and the turnover through him I think we might be alright mm, yeah you're right and Bueno did start against Wigan Mark so unfortunately uh, our hopes of him being ill didn't, aren't going to come to fruition but yeah, it's going to be a tough one. Um, right, I think I, I, we've had a look ahead to the game. I think we'll, we'll call we'll call time here on the, on this week's Charlton Live. We'll be back uh, on Thursday evening to look back at whatever happens against Brentford and look ahead to the game with Reading uh, next weekend. Uh, two massive games for us. Uh, let's hope we can pick up some points. Right, uh, thank you to Nathan, to Mark, and to Ben uh, for joining me on the phone for this week's Charlton Live. Cheers. Cheers, boys. You're welcome. Cheers, guys. Good to speak to you. I've been Louis Mendes. Thanks for those of you who've listened all the way to the end uh, of this week's podcast. Like I say, we'll be back on Thursday to look back at the Brentford game and ahead to the game uh, with uh, Reading at the Valley. Let's hope that between now and then we pick up a couple more points in our battle to survive this uh, relegation dogfight down at the bottom of the championship. We'll speak to you uh, during the week. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues 
your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 